Today I'll be speaking on that subject, and on Monday we will be joining in on the 21 days of hunger. The hunger, like I said earlier, refers to hungering after God and his presence. For some, it will be a time of renewed hunger, and for others, an opportunity to increase our hunger for the Almighty, or perhaps begin to develop an appetite for the things of God. Do you know that not everyone who says they believe have an appetite for the things of heaven? And we'll see in the message today why that is, but I, I want to tell you this, that you might not have an appetite or a spiritual hunger for God yet, or maybe it's waned, or maybe it's really high. Whatever the case, God has more for you today. He wants to reveal himself to you, and he wants to draw you in because he knows how he has designed mankind, and it's to hunger and thirst after his presence. We're going to be joining in with other congregations across New York to seek the face of God. And over this next 21 days, it's not a time to ask for material things, blessings, or healing. Rather, it is a time of seeking God with the sole purpose of finding God in a deeper and more meaningful way with no other motive except to know him more. You know, so often, don't we, we come to God and let's face it, we all have things going on in our life and we have a list for God and God, I need this and God, I need that. And I want to tell you this, that if you set aside these 21 days with no other agenda, and listen, I know you have needs and things that are pressing on your heart. And if you say, God, over the next 21 days, I am going to just focus on hungering and thirsting after you, that God will meet your needs. As you hunger and thirst after him, as you put him first and say, God, I trust you with my stuff. As I seek your face to know you more. With that said, we will be setting aside the next three Wednesdays. And listen to me. I know maybe you don't come on Wednesday. Matter of fact, I know you don't come on Wednesday. (laughs) Because I'm here on Wednesday and you're not, except for a few people. But we're going to set aside the next three Wednesdays with one agenda. To seek the face of God. And so I want to encourage you that maybe you're not used to coming. But create some time in your day and come. But it will also be Thursday nights as well. So if you can't make Wednesday, Thursday. It's going to be Wednesday and Thursday nights to pray and seek the Lord. As well as our Saturday prayer time at 3 p.m. Now these are regular prayer times. Remember our service on Wednesday at 7.30 And our prayer on Thursday is at 6.30, and it goes till 7.30. It's going to be our regular times, but what we're going to do during those times is simply seek the face of God. In conjunction with that, we are encouraging those who can and are willing to enter into some level of fasting. I know, I said the the word, (laughs) the fasting word. Um, That's why we're giving you bagels and cake today, you know? Um, It could be one or two meals per day. It could be all three meals, and you could fast 21 days of no food. Now, I know that's hard for most of you. So why don't you think about perhaps skipping one meal a day? And what fasting means is you not only deny yourself of food, but then you take that time that it... Do you know what I always find out during fasting? Of how much time is consumed by eating. Right By the time you go and you gather up the things you need to to prepare the meal and you prepare the meal and you eat the meal and you clean up from the meal, that takes quite a bit of time. And so what fasting is, denying ourselves the food and taking that half hour, 45 minutes, an hour and spending it in prayer. And I want to tell you, there is something, the scripture talks throughout both covenants about fasting. Fasting does something wonderful. It sensitizes us to the Spirit of God like nothing else does. Because as we deny our flesh, our spirit man is awakened to God like never before. So I want to encourage you to consider doing that. Now, if you are unable to fast food for some medical or other reasons, I would encourage you, listen to me, to fast something you enjoy. Right? So perhaps your evening coffee 
or the game you like to play or a TV show and then take that time and spend it with the Lord. So if you're a person that you have, you know, your 6.30 or 7 o'clock coffee all the time, forego it if you can't fast a meal and just take that time and seek the Lord. So I gave you plenty of opportunities, right? Each one of us could do some level of fasting with that in mind. All of these things that we're going to be entering into are based on Matityahu chapter 5. And it says, how blessed are those... You hear that? How blessed. Often we talk about the blessings of God, don't we? That we want the blessings of God and the favor of God. And we want to experience God's provision in our life. But the scripture says, How blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. One popular author said this. He said, God gives to the hungry. That's the key right there. God gives to the hungering soul. The soul that hungers is the one that gets what God has for it. Think about that. This refers to the genuinely hungry soul, not someone who is hungering for God in order to get something from God, rather someone who is hungry for God for the sake of the divine person of God himself. With no other motive, no other agenda. Don't you know God knows when we have a motive to seek him? Um, And it's putting aside our wants and our needs and going after God for the... You know, let's face it. If I were a millionaire, which I wish I was, but I'm not. (laughs) Uh, If I were a millionaire and my wife said, listen, I'm going to marry you for your money. I wouldn't be so thrilled about that. Now, the reason I know my wife loves me is because I am not a millionaire. (laughs) And we live by the grace of God. And so the same is true with the relationship with God. He wants you to love him and seek him for him. He's a good God, worthy of praise. And I'll tell you, no one and nothing can satisfy the human soul like God can. And so... Understand that God and God alone is our prize, our goal, and the pearl of great price. Remember that? That um, um, parable that Yeshua tells? The pearl of great price is Yeshua. And what did the man do? He sold everything he had to buy the field that contained the pearl. He gave it all up for God. And so you and I, as we give everything up for God... God rewards us and blesses us beyond measure. So the scriptures tell us this. And the first thing, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't do a PowerPoint. We're going old school today. So if you have your Bibles, you could use them. Um, I hope you do. You have either a, an electronic version on your phone, or perhaps you have an old-fashioned Bible. That would be something. Um, Don't you have a lot of those in your home? Mine are collecting dust now because I usually use my iPad or or my iPhone because I have the scriptures on those. But there's nothing like holding a Bible in your hand, right? So you could turn and make your way to uh, Devarim chapter 8 and verse 3. Deuteronomy 8 and 3. And the first thing I want to point out to you today that we have an intrinsic hunger and need for God. Hear that. We have an intrinsic hunger and need for God. We have this hunger for God whether we realize it or not. Because you might be sitting there saying, well, Rabbi, I'm not that hungry for God. I'm a little interested in God. I'm sometimes interested in God. But I'm not really that, that interested in God. I want to tell you that you were wired to hunger and thirst for God. And I'm going to prove it to you through the scripture. Devarim chapter 8 and verse 3. He humbled you, allowing you to become hungry and then fed you with manna. It says man. Which neither you nor your ancestors had ever known. To make you understand. And here's what he wanted to make you understand. That a person does not live on food alone. But on everything that comes from the mouth of Adonai. Did you hear that? Let's reflect on this for a moment and really consider what the scripture is telling us. 
You and I cannot, say cannot, live on physical sustenance alone. We think we can. We think that we have God beat, that all we need is physical sustenance, you know, three hots in a cot. But we need spiritual food that only God can give us in order to be truly satiated and experience true life. Do you ever wonder why you could live life, go about and actually live? You could wake up, you could eat breakfast, you could put on your clothes and go to work, but yet you don't have real true abundant life. True abundant life comes as we not only feed on natural food, which feeds our physical man, but as we dine on spiritual fare, which feeds our spirit man and makes us alive and vibrant living beings. The Messiah reaffirms and demonstrates this in the Brit Chadashah when he says in Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1, Then the Spirit led Yeshua up into the wilderness to be tempted by the adversary. After Yeshua had fasted 40 days and nights, Selah. Rabbi, I can't fast my coffee for 21 days. (laughs) Rabbi, you don't know how much I need that double cafe mocha latte. (laughs) Frappuccino. Yeshua fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And he was hungry, as you can imagine. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, order these stones to become bread. But he answered, The Tanakh says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of Adonai. You see, Yeshua knew that spiritual food was far superior and satisfying than mere natural food. Could have Yeshua turned those rocks into bread? Absolutely. But he knew that that is not what he needed. He needed to do the will of God. He needed to obey and dine on God's spiritual fare. And let me tell you, you know what it says later on in the chapter? That Yeshua came out of the wilderness, not weak, not apathetic, not anemic. He came out of the wilderness filled with the fire of the Spirit of God. He came out supercharged, ready for ministry, ready to heal the sick, raise the dead, proclaim the good news. You see, his denying himself of physical sustenance didn't drain him. It energized him in the things of God. I want to tell you, we are wired to hunger and thirst for righteousness you know what? We have the things that we do as a, as a daily routine, the things we eat to feed our physical bodies. But if we are not daily dining on the things of the kingdom of God, we are going to be malnourished. We are going to be discouraged. We are going to struggle with depression. We're going to look at the news and see terrorism at every turn and just in our backyard now in Philadelphia. And we're going to be nervous and scared and fearful. But I want to tell you, as you dine on the fear of God, And as you're strong in the spirit, you're not going to be fearful about the world and the things of the world. You're going to be connected and energized by the power and presence of the living God who is able to keep us and sustain us and provide for us and to meet our every need. And I want to tell you, God is not always early. God is not always giving us abundance, but God will always, always meet our need. He'll always take care of us as we seek his face. In another place, in Yochanan chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the Talmudim were urging Yeshua, Rabbi, eat! Right? Like good Jewish boys, they were saying, Rabbi, eat! But he answered, I have food to eat that you don't know about. At this, the Talmudim asked one another, Could someone have brought him food? Yeshua said to them, my food is to do what the one who sent me wants to do and bring his work to completion. You see, Yeshua tells you and me that 
food that truly satisfies the human condition is connected to God and his kingdom work. It is easy to conclude then that if we need spiritual food to truly live as God intended, then we each have a hunger for God and his kingdom. We do. See, the problem is that we don't always feel hungry. And I'm going to tell you why. And that brings me to my second point. Develop a hunger for the things that really satisfy. Now, parents, you know what I'm going to say, right? Like children who would love to fill up on a diet consisting of candy and confections and other zero-nutrition goodies, right? I remember as a kid growing up, my sister... My sister Diana, God bless her. Even till today, my sister Diana. Dinner time. Oh, no, no, I'm not hungry. Susie Q's. Yodels. Pies. You know, all the stuff that kids like. Candy cane, candy corn. Uh-oh. <laughs> Four basic food groups, right? All the confections and the sugaries and the donuts. All the things that spoil an appetite when mom, you know, plops down the, uh, you know, the nutritious chicken breast with a side of Brussels sprouts. And the kid says, mom, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. I'm full. No thanks. And of course, as a good parent, you force the kid to eat a little. It takes one or two bites, and that's it. Why? He has no appetite. His appetite has been ruined. We often fill up on things that do not satisfy our spiritual needs, yet these things fill us up and spoil our appetite for the things that really matter. In Yeshayahu chapter 55, it speaks to this very thing. Do you think the word of God speaks to everything it does? Isaiah 55 says, All you who are thirsty, come to the water. You without money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money. It's free. And he goes on to say, Why spend money for what isn't food? Your wages for what doesn't satisfy. Listen carefully to me and you will eat well. You will enjoy the fat of the land. Open your ears and come to me. Listen well and you will live. Why are you spending your time and resources and energies on things that don't really satisfy? We waste so much time pursuing things that will never get deep in our soul and spirit to satisfy the real hunger that we have for the things of God. Have you ever been hungry? Of course you have. You're probably hungry now. You have a bagel waiting for you upstairs. Well, I've been hungry, and I'm sure you've done this. Um, And you go and you find a little tchotchke to eat in, in the house and get a couple of chips I'm using chips. I don't eat chips, I'll tell you that. We don't have chips in our house. <laughs> but let's say you go to the chips, a couple of chips, and you say, that didn't do it, and you put it down. And then a couple of minutes later, you, you wake up, and you have a little bowl with something in it, maybe a little candy. You, you pop the candy, and that didn't do it. And you go through five and six and seven things, looking to, for something to satisfy And you're never satisfied. You want to know why you're not satisfied? Because you're not giving your body the fuel it really craves and needs. Nutritious food that is dense spirits, you know, nutritionally. You're not giving it protein and the right amount of carbohydrates. And so your body is saying, no, I'm still hungry. Even though your belly could be full. We do that spiritually by ignoring the things of God for other things. We fill our lives with things that we think are going to satisfy us and bring us a level of contentment that they fall short in bringing. I want to tell you that we need to peel ourselves away from such things, not to say that we should never do them, but we have to make sure that we're nourished 
first by the presence and power and the person of God. He says to me, look, look what he says. He's telling us, open your ears and come to me. Where's he telling us to go? To him. Come to me. Listen well, and you will live. I mean, God makes it clear. But I want to tell you, here are some things that spoil our appetite and hunger for God and godly things. I'm going to give you a list. And I really don't mean to step on your toes. I really don't. I want you to consider these, though. Money. We need it to live, right? Right. We all know this. But we cannot be controlled or consumed by it. Yeah. If we do it, if we do it, will distract us and kill our hunger for God. And the scripture speaks to this in Matthew Yahoo 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where the thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So yeah, you have to go out and work. And listen, I believe this, that believers should be the hardest workers there are the most faithful, the most dependable, the most loyal and trustworthy, work hard for God and their families. But we shouldn't be consumed by the things of work. And you know, we all know people like this. I know people like this who spend 16, 17, 18 hours a day at work, come home and think about work. Their jazz, work has become their thing. Even to the neglecting of their families. Work. It's about work. It's about work. It's about making money. It's about getting a new house. It's about material things. I want to tell you this, that God wants to bless us materially. But you know what those material things are from God's perspective? Tools. They're tools to do good. That's all. Tools to do good. Not to consume us and not to be an idol in our life. The second thing is religion. What? I'm not talking about relationship. I'm talking about religion. We can easily get caught up and filled up on the periphery of religious activities that we fail to find God and spend time with him in the process. Religious activity, the trappings, the traditions and customs, we get so caught up in doing the things that surround God And I want to tell you this. Our customs and traditions are also tools. They were designed to help us enter into the presence of God. But they too can be abused. When we get so wrapped up on Rabbi, you have to see my Chanukiah. Oh, it's the best Chanukiah the world has ever seen. It glows and shines. Unbelievable, the Chanukiah, Rabbi. Come to my house and see the Chanukia. You know what I'm saying? You get caught up in the trappings of the things and the traditions. And when, what is that Chanukia about? Do you know? It's about the light of Hashem. It's about the Shamish, the Mashiach who came in fulfillment of the servant songs of Yeshiahu to come and bring light into our hearts. And that through us, a messianic community, we would shine that light light forth to the world. It's about him. It's about his person. It's about what only he could give. He alone could give us his light. Religion can get in the way. Relationships. Relationships are very important, right? But they could also keep us starved of our primary relationship if we let them. So friends... Parents, siblings, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, children, co-workers, bosses, and whoever else. We can allow any of these relationships to distract us from God. 
And although they are good and important, make sure that they don't keep you from Messiah. Listen, here's the case, here's the truth. If I have a choice and I have to have an opportunity to spend time with God or spend time doing something with a friend, I'm going to pick God every time. And I'll catch up with my friend at some other point. God's got to be first. I'm certainly not going to do it in lieu of God. Because you know what? As much as a friend can, you know, give me some companionship, encourage me here and there, he can, they cannot scratch the itch that only the Spirit of God could get to in my soul. And God is good, and he's awesome, and he's powerful. You know, yesterday I wasn't feeling so encouraged. And I had things on my mind, and you know, like you, so I'm just like you. I'm thinking about the wrong things, and my encouragement level is going from here, and it's starting to plunder. It's starting to go down and plummet. And I'm saying, well, I'm not so encouraged now. I'm thinking about the wrong things, and I'm starting to feel a little, wow, a little blue. But I'm going to do what I always do, and I go into my room, and I close the door, and I grab the old acoustic guitar, and I hit a chord, and I feel the presence of God. Here I am discouraged and blue, and I feel the presence of God, and I begin to sing to God, and I'm even beginning to weep a little bit, but I feel God's presence, and I'm saying, God, what is this? I don't feel encouraged, yet here you are coming to meet me, even though I have all this stuff going on in my life, yet you're real, and you're there, and you're answering my cry. I'm going to tell you, this is what God does. He doesn't always remove us from the struggle and the challenge and the hardship and the toils of life, but he comes alongside us during the struggle to let us know, hey, my child, my son, my daughter, you're not in it alone. I'm with you. Do you know Yeshua can relate to that? Do you know? You know, he was like, hey, Abba, maybe we could pass on this tree of sacrifice thing. Maybe we could kind of skip it. Maybe I don't have to do it. But not what I want, Abba, what you want. And God was silent. He said, no, do it. He knows what it feels like to feel perhaps abandoned, perhaps discouraged, perhaps alone. But he also knows that God brings comfort like only God can. I can't explain to you how it happens. How could I feel now encouraged and and almost discouraged at the same time? But I did. And I'll tell you what. After two and three uh, songs of saying, you know, God, you're so good. It doesn't matter about my situation. And so I'm going to worship you anyway. I'm going to just sing because you're worthy and you're mighty. And I began to sing unto the Lord. And yeah, I want to tell you, by three or four songs, I was, the, the encouragement meter started going up and up and up and up. And you know, that's what God does. He moves our perspective. The enemy wants us to look at earthly things and look at relationships and money and all those things that really can't satisfy. You see, and then we don't understand because in the flesh we're saying, well, gee, that's the way it's done in the world. People are satisfied by these things, right? So maybe I could join in and find some satisfaction there. We're duped. He's saying, quiet, come to me. Listen, find your rest in God alone. Routine. Even our daily and weekly routines can distract us as they fill our time and spoil our appetite for God. We feel like there are things that we have to do because we always do them. You ever been like that? It's 9 o'clock. I have to go. And there's something in us that starts to rise up. I've been there where I am seeking God and the time starts to turn on me and starts to talk to me like get up and leave. And I have to fight the earth and say no, no, no. Time is a servant of me. I'm not a servant of time. I serve the living God, and I'm going to resist that clock or that appointment, whatever it is, calling me away from the primary thing. 
that I need for my well-being, and that is the person in the presence of God. We become like Martha, who was distracted. Remember the story? Now, she was distracted with noble things. She was serving the Messiah. She was getting the stuff prepared and the food and all the accoutrements to make for a nice meeting for Mashiach. But what did he say to her? Martha, you're doing the wrong thing. Don't worry about the food. We'll eat. Don't worry about how it looks. Come and do what Miriam is doing. She's doing the better thing. She's just sitting at my feet and drinking of my words. Telling us that there is a better thing. Our work. Now, again, I'm going to say it because I don't want to be misconstrued. We all need to work. Scripture says you don't work, you don't eat. So we need to work. And hard work is a testimony to God, like I said before. But with that in mind, our work cannot and should not get to the place where it supersedes God's place in our life. I see this all the time. People move and switch up their lives. They'll move across a country for a job. The only place in Scripture where people moved, and I can think of Avraham, or Avram at the time, he moved not for a change of job. He moved by the will of God. I believe this, that our provision, okay, is tied up in our location where God wants us. And we've seen it. We've seen people move because of a job. And they went from a, posi- a, a place that wasn't so great to a worse place. Because God is not short. His arm isn't too short to be able to provide for his people. If he wants us at a specific location, we have, in other words, we have to hear from God and not just do things based on a job. But to do things based on the word of God. God's place in our lives must be first. Some people get so caught up in their work that it becomes an all-consuming thing and it takes away from their spiritual needs. Husbands who are so exhausted from hours and hours and hours of work that they can't lead their families spiritually speaking. That they don't lead their families spiritually. Friend, if that's us, we need to perhaps reconfigure things where we spend time with God first and get nourished as men, and this way we could be the priests, the colonium of our homes, and lead our family in spiritual things. The men were meant to lead the family in spiritual awareness and spiritual things. Scripture says that in everything we do, we do it as unto the Lord and not men, including our work. So even though we do spend a lot of time at work, we can still keep things God-centered at work. How about hobbies? And there's a difference between enjoying a hobby and letting our hobby become so inflated in our lives that it pushes out time with God or replaces God entirely. I want to tell you a quick story. There was a pastor who um, started to collect stamps. How innocent is that, right? That's a good hobby, collect stamps. There's no harm in collecting stamps. It's not ungodly. Certainly a thing that you think is safe to do, right? So the pastor starts collecting stamps, but he got so enveloped in collecting stamps and collecting stamps and collecting stamps. This pastor ended ended up leaving the ministry and eventually walking away from God because he put so much time in his stamp collection that he started to neglect spiritual things. And I want to tell you that you can only neglect spiritual things so long before they start to impact your life. Could you imagine a stamp collection? Could steal away our relationship with God? I want to tell you, of course, anything can. Anything we put before God is an idol, isn't it? And any idol, if we give it enough attention... It's an idol for a reason, because it's trying to vie 
for the place that God and God alone deserves in our life. And that's why, why do you think when you read through the, the Tanakh that God is so violent against idolatry, right? When he, when he gets a righteous king, what does he tell them? Go to the high places and tear it down, burn them. Take down the altars, rip them down, bring them to rubble. Right? Because all those idols were drawing and luring away the Israelites from the one true God. Desiring a blessing from God more than God himself. It is easy to get caught up in this since we all have needs and desires and God does promise to bless his people. We merely need to keep Matthew Yahu chapter 6, 33 in mind, right? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. I want to tell you, God is not looking to withhold from you. He's looking to bless you, but it has to be in the right order. Spiritual resources. We can put more stock in the latest book from so-and-so or the greatest messianic praise and worship CD or concert. Instead of going after God himself, we go after the commercial. I want to tell you that. Warning, warning, the commercialism of God. Look and put on some of these TV shows and you'll see the commercialism of God in full, in, you know, full bore. There's a price tag to everything. Listen, there's nothing wrong, you know, with some things, but God has been commercialized and we can get caught up in the commercialization of God Do you know you don't need a single solitary dime to find God? You don't need any extracurricular books. You don't need extra garments. You could sit on a cold, hard wood floor in the middle of nowhere with no furniture in the room with you and your lonesome and have the sweet presence of God fill that room and fill your life like nothing ever can. That's the truth. And then lastly, ourselves. We probably most often distract ourselves from God and for a hunger for God. Our desires and wants for our ease and our comfort. We are by nature sinful And if we live by our earthly nature, we will not get close to God. That's why we need to die to ourselves and to live in Messiah, as Romans 6 says. But no matter what we do, there will be a constant battle within ourselves between the spirit and the flesh. Always. Friends, I know what you're thinking, but Rabbi, when is it going to end? It'll never end. You will always have a constant battle between what your flesh wants to do and what the Spirit of God wants you to do. And the Scripture says we are to put down our flesh to subdue those desires and to live for God. Say amen or oh my. You see, the first step to overcoming ourselves is being aware of ourselves and our tendencies. Yeshua said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So what is the real food that we need, the real food we need, and the things that really satisfy are the things of God and Yeshua, the Messiah. And then lastly, I'm going to close with this, and we'll be able to go upstairs and have a time of fellowship, is that we need to increase, say increase, your daily intake of spiritual food. That's how you begin to build a hunger for God, daily increase of spiritual food. Isn't it a curious thing? I find that I can go a significant amount of time with a minimal amount of sweets and confections and feel good and uh, really begin to enjoy healthy food, right? I could do that. And I could go months and months where I'm not, I'll tell you, my, my kryptonite, yes, sufganiyot, 
Never met a donut I didn't like. Plain donut, glazed donut, filled donut, striped donut, jelly donut, every donut. I'm a fan of every donut. Big ones, preferably. Little ones, doesn't matter. I love every donut, the sticks. Every donut, every donut goes good with a cup of coffee, doesn't it? But I could go months and months and months and not even yearn for a bagel. I could be enjoying my chicken Caesar salad with the bolt house dressing, the yogurt-based dressing, and love it and feel good and healthy. But then one day we'll come and there'll be donuts in the house, and I'll say, well, maybe I'll just have a donut. Twelve donuts later. <laughs> and now all of a sudden... The appetite that I did, that I could pass the donut shop a million times, never be tempted to go in, and now every donut shop I see, my car is going this way. My car, hey kids, what about donuts? Mm, get the kids on your side. Because mom doesn't want dad to eat donuts, trust me. But we'll get the kids on our side, this way three against one, you know. And we'll get donuts, we'll work donuts into the diet somehow, some way. I'll have this thing. It's amazing. I went for months and months with zero craving. But the second I begin to get a little taste for it, it multiplies like crazy. All of a sudden now it doesn't stop at donuts. Let's have pancakes. <laughs> How about IHOP with the whipped cream and the syrup? How about, yeah, who needs, like, egg whites for breakfast when you can have pancakes with butter and syrup and delicious? You ever get like that? So we have two opposite truisms at work. While I'm eating healthy, I'm craving healthy. But when I start to eat unhealthy, now I crave unhealthy. Isn't that something? Well, what is a man to do? But when I abandon that sugary selection for a more healthy fare, guess what happens? That appetite for other things slowly but surely begins to go away. My point is the same is true with our spiritual food. If you come home or let's say you replace God time with the TV, isn't that like intellectually stimulating? Uh, But if we replace God time with TV or other things, all of a sudden we can't miss, what was on last night that, uh, what's that police show? Blue or something blue, NYPD, whatever they are. Uh, Blue Bloods, you can't miss a, a, a show. or whatever your show is. You can't miss it. But I'll tell you, once you start to wean yourself away from things and toward God, you find yourself desiring more and more the things of God again. You could pass the donuts, spiritually speaking, and not care. You could pass by the cake and say, huh, it's just cake, spiritually speaking. But what you won't do is you won't miss your time with God. You'll say, I'll tell you what, there's one thing that I know for sure I'm going to keep in my diet, and that's seeking after the face of God. And you and I have to learn to do that. Tehillim 42 says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Where can I go and meet with God? Tehillim 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Tehillim 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary, beheld your power and glory. We sang it today. Because your love is better than life, my lips 
will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. You know, there are people who come to worship and are embarrassed to lift their hands to God. Yet they could go to a football game or baseball game and go berserk. The scripture, the psalmist said, oh, I, I want to lift up my hands to the living God. My soul yearns to touch his presence, to be with him, to meet with him. Friend, that should be our life. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. Say that again. You are my help, God. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I want to close with this illustration. One day as Rabbi Akiva was shepherding his flock, he noticed a tiny stream trickling down a hillside, dripping over a ledge on its way toward the river below. Below was a massive boulder. Surprisingly, the rock bore a deep impression. The drip, drip, drip of water over the centuries had hollowed out away the stone. Akiva commented, If a mere water can do this to hard rock, how much more can God's word carve away into my heart of flesh? Akiva realized that if the water had flowed over the rock all at once, the rock would have been unchanged. It was the slow but steady impact of each tiny droplet year after year, century after century, that completely reformed the stone. I want to tell you that the same is true as we go after God. Consistency daily, little by little, day after day, God will do a transformative work in our hearts and in our lives. I know what we want to do. We think we could get it all in one day. We could come to shul on, on Shabbat and let God pour over us, but it unchanged. the rock goes forth unchanged. It needs that constant drip, 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 day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year that changes our heart and our life. I'm going to read to you Matthew 5 from the Message Bible. It says, You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best, in the best meal you'll ever eat. Over the next 21 days, we have an opportunity to draw closer to God than we are now. All that is required is a desire. A desire to ingest the best, most nutritious food known to mankind. Food that will change your life, revitalize your heart, and bring you a renewed joy and purpose in life. Each of us needs simply to exchange some of our current habits and hobbies for time with God. We need to only come to him and sit at his feet a little more than we are currently. Exchange that time over a cup of coffee with time spent with God so that he overflows the cup of your heart. Take some simple and small steps toward God and see what he will do in your life. After all, What you and I really hunger for is only found in him. I can't say it enough. I think I presented the word of God to you. God is the only one who will really satisfy your life. And I can tell you, he delights to do it. 
God delights to do it. I'm going to just remind you, I was discouraged as I stepped into my quiet time with God. I didn't do anything except make a little move toward God, a little tiny move to God. I I picked up. He saw that I was going to worship him, and I went, and God came to show me you chose the right thing. You made the right choice. And if I could tell you, there's nothing on earth that could take the place of that presence of God that brings a sweet peace to our soul. Nothing. And God wants to give that to each of us. I want you to consider over the next 21 days how you're going to turn a little bit more toward God, get a little bit closer and seek his face. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's bow our heads and our hearts and I'm going to pray. I'll say the ironic blessing and then we could go upstairs and continue to enjoy fellowship with God and consider these things that we've said and and look forward to drawing closer to God. And I believe this, that it's not, it's not just going to be 21 days. 21 days is going to spark a lifestyle, a lifestyle of hungering for God. Father, I lift up your people before you. Father, you know each one. You know where they're at. You know what they need. You know where their hearts are hurting, where they're tired, worn, weary, and dry. Father, you know where your people are and you desire to bring them to a place in you that is filled with life and joy and peace. Father, I pray, God, that you would grace each one today. Lord, as they make a decision to turn toward you and hunger after you and seek your face just a little more, Father, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they ask or think in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Stretch forth your hand. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and grant you his shalom. Father, I pray that you would bless your people with your sweet shalom today and every day this week. Father, when we go upstairs, that you would bless our fellowship, that it would be sweet and edifying. God, that we would speak words of life and hope to each one. And we ask it, Yeshua, and everyone said... Amen. Thanks for listening. Shabbat Shalom.